Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Today is a solemn somber day in American and Chicago history, folks. We have to remember, lest we forget, the brutal, totally made-up MAGA lynching of a gay black actor on a bitterly cold 2 a.m. morning in downtown Chicago. We have to. Because our future president and our future first, well, vice president, they they both fell for the absolute hoax that it was. Also, the same president who posted on X and has refused to take it down about that racist, totally fake attack has apparently gotten us into a pickle in the Middle East because, well, He is the worst foreign policy president, at least since Jimmy Carter, and probably of all time. And then there's the GOP who is spending more money than it took in last year for the third straight year. For what exactly? They also want you to play the race card while ignoring the data that tells us how they really lost the last election and the election before that. Good Truth or Fiction Tuesday to you all. I'm Andrew Coppins, and this is Critical Thinking. That's right, folks. It is a Truth or Fiction Tuesday. I hope you all enjoyed yesterday's program uh, where I deep dove into the... Illegal asylum seeking that is going on and the how. Not just the why, the what, but the how. And the how is always just follow the money and all of that goodness. So I'll leave it there. If you haven't checked it out, please do so. Speaking of checking out, please check me out on social media. I'm at The Coppin Show. You can also find me 
in this show over on our Rumble page, rumble.com backslash critical thinking, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. And you can follow on X to watch the show each and every Monday through Friday. All right. So with all of that out of the way, again, thank you to those that listen via podcast as well. I cannot forget you uh, because you are a vital, vital component of the show. And I thank you for continuing to help grow this show by small leaps and small bounds, but by leaps and bounds nonetheless. But it is a truth or fiction Tuesday. We have got a lot to talk about, some of it serious, some of it not so serious, but I thought I would start with this um, because we're heading into the lull that is the week between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl. We, we, we get the Pro Bowl flag football this weekend. Isn't that going to be? Oh. But I digress. We, we have a lull. But... The Super Bowl is going to feature the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in a matchup of superstars and, uh, well, unexpected stars, right? And then we're going to, oh gosh, Taylor Swift. But here's my truth or fiction for the Super Bowl. This Super Bowl will be both the most watched and the most emblematic of the spirit of the age. All right, so with that being said, what do I think? Is this going to be truth or fiction? I think this is going to be truth. So what we need to know about this and why I say that this is both going to be the most watched and the most emblematic of the spirit of the age is you have to know some things that are going on around the Super Bowl. The pregame show. All of the stuff that's going on in the pregame is being sponsored by whom? Pfizer. We have, I think it's the Pepsi halftime show as well. But the NFL is going full on spirit of the age. And it had a choice of almost anybody that they could have chosen to become a sponsor of the pregame activities and all of that sort of stuff, right? They chose Pfizer. So that they can shove what? More Paxlovid and the BS that that is down your throat? So they can shove more BS about COVID-19 down your throat? Still almost three years later now? What are we doing? Actually almost four years now. Excuse me. It's been that long. Why? Spirit of the age. The NFL is bought into it. They buy into anything, woke, DEI, blah, blah, blah. Take a look at how they implement the Rooney rule these days, which is one of the most ridiculous hiring rules of all time, and I don't understand how this is legal in any way, shape, or form. And if you don't know anything about the NFL, the Rooney rule is Art Rooney, the former uh, owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, created a rule in which you have to interview a minority candidate for your head coaching position. And I think it's now extended to almost every position on a coaching staff. So that's right. You, you absolutely have to, no matter whom you want to hire, even if that is a minority candidate, by the way, 
And now we've gotten to the point where literally every team has to announce whom it's interviewing and it's all blah, 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 instead of done in a pretty easy fashion behind the scenes. It's it's become an absolute circus spirit of the age. This is from an organization that has, it takes all of us and end racism and all of the other messaging that it has on its fields, on the backs uh, of helmets and, and all of that stuff, right? So, of course, they're going to go along with, you know, Pfizer's got a really great message about a product that doesn't work because that's right, Paxlovid does not work. It never has and it never will. It is a placebo. You imagine this being sponsored by the makers of Ivermectin? How about Jace Case, right, or, or something like that? Peter McCullough or whomever, right, sponsoring. You would never see the NFL do that. But we also have the emblematic nature of the spirit of the ages. Fox News goes all sorts of Taylor Swift conspiracy theory. Literally had a segment yesterday, and I never saw the segment itself, but I saw the screen grab where they literally were attempting to tie her to be to being an FBI plant, to be some sort of a plant into the uh, political realm and using the NFL and the Super Bowl to somehow sway the 2024 general election. Now, we also know that there was a poll that came out that said one in five people would be swayed by what Taylor Swift does with her endorsement, even though we already know where that's going because it went that way the last time. She suddenly become MAGA. Her boyfriend is Travis Kelsey, who literally is being paid tens of millions of dollars to pimp Pfizer vaccines every single weekend. And oh, by the way, don't forget the absolute insanity that is the obsession with everything Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey by the NFL, its broadcast partners, and everything in between. And I hate it because I absolutely love the game of football. I want to talk about the game, why this play worked and why it didn't, or why this defensive setup worked against the this team, but it doesn't work against that setup, and what are the differences in machinations of this offense versus that team's offense? Why, why does one thing look different than the other, except for literally almost to the naked eye, every NFL offense looks exactly the same today? We can talk about the sameness of the NFL. We can talk about how there's nothing new, nothing innovative, nothing different from Team A to Team B to Team C. There's literally nothing. Or if there is, none of us know about it because they don't even want to talk about those differences and show you what makes Green Bay's offense tick versus what makes, you know, what makes a top 10 offense in the NFL today versus a bottom 10 offense? Are there differences other than the players? Is it scheme? Is it whatever? No, we're not talking about any of those things, right? We're not talking about the awesomeness that was what took place between Travis Kelsey and Pat Mahomes in the 
AFC Championship game last weekend. No, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about how Brock Purdy didn't just manage the game in the NFC Championship game, how he physically went out and won that game for the San Francisco 49ers. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about the anatomy of the absolutely insane comeback that was the 49ers. We're not talking about the X's and O's. We're talking about the, well, we're talking about the X's and O's, the I love you's, the hearts of Travis Kelsey and and Taylor Swift, and that's it. I would suggest that's emblematic of the spirit of the age, but I would also suggest that uh, it's also good entertainment business, and that's really what the NFL has just become and hasn't become anything other than pure ball entertainment at this point. And why do I say that? Well, I say that because the playoffs have been some of the most watched playoffs of all time. The 49ers-Lions game, which, yes, was highly entertaining. That comeback was insane. All of the things that I just highlighted about that game, right? Well, 56.6, almost 57. It's likely to be 59 once they they round up and change some of the estimates uh, based off of um, not just the overnight numbers, but the total numbers. Anyway, it's 56.6 right now. So 57 million. Let's round it up, okay? It is the most watched NFC Championship game since 2012, which I think featured the 49ers that year as well. It is also the most watched television program in this country since last year's Super Bowl. Now, the AFC Championship game numbers were not available as I looked at them this morning yet, but last week's Bills-Chiefs game, which is one of the more high-profile matchups, Josh Allen versus Pat Mahomes and and the the rivalry that is existing on the field between those guys, it drew over 50 million people, so it's likely to be around that number for the Ravens and uh, Chiefs, even though that game was kind of not as much in doubt, even though the Ravens (coughs) (coughs) choked that one away. So what? This all leads me to believe is we all want the spirit of the age. We all love the uh, entertainment. We all love the circus. We all love what the spirit of the age is throwing at us. And we're going to all watch. Now, I will say this. I'm going to watch because I like the game. I like football. I'm much more of a college football fan. But even that's becoming much more about all the machinations off the field than what's going on on the field. Even though this is where you can actually see the innovation in football. This is where you can actually see differences in styles and and uh, 4-3 defenses, 3-4 defenses, 4-3-3, thoughtful innovation on both sides of the football. So where you actually see football mattering. 
that being said, I love the game of football, so I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. But the question becomes this. For those who complain, right? And look, I don't like the Swifty BS. I don't like it. The reality is the NFL is a product to sell. And that product, if you can uh, attach it to the biggest star in the entire world and shoot it to the moon, why wouldn't you do that? That's the reality. I would suggest it's also part of the spirit of the age, but that is the reality that we're dealing with. I don't have to like it. Do I want to participate in it? No, not really. But am I going to not watch what I think is going to be a fascinating football game on the field because of the ancillary stuff? Probably not. Right? Probably, I should say. I'm probably going to watch it despite all of those things. Now, before I get into the rest of Truth or Fiction Tuesday, folks, do not forget, you can go over to our fine friends and sponsors at coffeebrandcoffee.com where they care about coffee. That's right. Their brand is coffee, not their politics, not your politics, not any sort of societal, you know, whatever. It it, it is literally about finding really good coffee, making small batches of it, putting it into a package and sending it directly to you where they care about the coffee portion of coffee. So go to our friends at coffeebrandcoffee.com, enter the promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout for 10% off of your purchase today as I take a sip of the bourbon-flavored coffee. Mm -mm -mm. Delicious. So again, go to our friends at coffeebrandcoffee.com, check it out. There's coffee, tea, hot chocolate, whatever floats your boat when it comes to beverages. They probably have it outside of soda, but go check it out. Coffeebrandcoffee.com. Enter the promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout. Promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout for 10% off of your purchase today. Okay. So outside of our sponsorships and all of those things, and speaking of seriousness, right, the, the unseriousness that is, the, the Super Bowl in the grand scheme of life. But again, it will be the most watched, at least in the last 10 years, it's going to be my guess, if not of all time. It will be the most emblematic of the spirit of the age because of Pfizer, because of the importance of that they're putting on all of the things off the field instead of on the field. All of that sort of stuff. But my second truth or fiction comes courtesy of one Pat Oni, who, by the way, is working on a, a special project, a return of something. So I'm going to let him talk about that and do his thing in his time, but I'm just going to warn you that uh, something is going to be back. That being said, Pat, truth or fiction, uh, hashtag truth or fiction, we should avenge our fallen soldiers from the Iran attack, but we won't. Interesting. Um, I'm going to go fiction on this. And it's because of the we won't on the backside. Because we already know that we're going to do something. And I'm going to get into that in a second. 
But I also believe that this is fiction for the first part of this. That we absolutely must avenge our fallen soldiers. It is terrible that there were three soldiers, 20 plus, three soldiers died, 20 plus of them wounded, I think 25, 27, somewhere in that range, but over 20 of them wounded in attacks perpetrated, allegedly, because we don't know, 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 know the truth. And I can't trust anything that comes out of the mouth of this administration, period, point blank, when it comes to anything foreign policy. And because I can't trust our intelligence agencies and whether that's the defense intelligence, whether that's um, NSA, CIA, FBI, whatever, I don't trust any of them, nor should you. But I digress on that. Doesn't diminish the fact that these people lost their lives Although Corinne Jean-Pierre, with one of the most insane things I've ever seen, and I'll address that tomorrow on WTF Wednesday, because that's a whole separate kettle of fish. But if we went around every single time a soldier died from one of our bases around the globe, Middle East, uh, in Asia, wherever, Afghanistan, right? And we went whole hog attacking back. We'd be in perpetual war everywhere forever. Now, I think this is part and parcel of the libertarian argument that might be worth listening to. But I'll get into that in a second. The U.S. has got to attack Tehran, according to Texas Conservative Senator John Cornyn. Lindsey Graham loves him some war. War, war, war. How about no? Again, this is not to diminish the loss of these people's lives. Because I've had acquaintances, friends, people that I know deeply affected by, wounded by, dead because of war. So I understand the deep and profound sadness that is the loss of these people's lives. Unlike this administration. But we have to think strategically here as a society, as a government, as a war fighting apparatus that is our Defense Department. We have to ask vital questions. Furthermore, the response to all of this from the Biden administration has been to literally telegraph to the enemy, a.k.a. Iran, and its proxies, hey, by the way, we're going to attack sometime in the next maybe 12 to 14 to, to 20 hours, yeah, somewhere in there. And, oh, by the way, we're looking at Jordan and Syria, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're going to tell you exactly what we're going to do. How, how does that make any damn sense? I'll give you a hint. It doesn't make any sense at all. None whatsoever. 
But this is part and parcel of Joe Biden's foreign policy because we've done this with any group. We've done this with some of the other attacks that we did in Syria. Um, When we look at those types of things, we are telegraphing this throughout the Biden administration's um, time in office. This is their hallmark. Let's go ahead and get the enemy time to clear themselves out and scatter the weapons and scatter this and scatter that, right? Let me ask you this. When Donald Trump went after um, one of the heads of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard operating in Iraq, was there any heads up other than the, like, 10 seconds in which, oh, oh, there's a bomb coming my way? No. Nope. No how. But... In this particular situation, as we watch the Houthi rebels who are backed by Iran, as we watch the the things going on in Syria and in Jordan and in elsewhere in the Middle East, I'm left with this reality. There are no good answers. None. Zip, zero, zilch good answers. What are we going to do? Hit Tehran? kill the Ayatollah, kill the the president, hit the presidential palace and, okay. Isn't that the beginning of an actual war with Iran at that point? Because I guarantee you, if somebody attacked the White House, if somebody attacked, I don't know, even the Washington Monument, let's say, we would immediately be declaring war. Well, I don't even know if we would be declaring war league because, well, we're just doing stuff without declaring war anyway now. But I digress. This would be World War Three if we did that. Is that good? Is that what we're after? Some people cynically would believe that, but I highly doubt as a society, highly doubt as a war fighting machine, that's what we really want or are capable of actually fighting these days. What's the other part of this equation? It is the fact that Israel has been going after Hamas, right? And whom does Iran, Hamas, the Palestinian Authority, all of those types, all of the other rebel groups across the Middle East believe to be the real Satan here? The United States. Vis-a-vis its buddy-buddy relationship with Israel. So as Israel continues to root Hamas out, root and branch in the Gaza Strip, this is really what's going on here. This is why these attacks are happening. Because we back Israel. They don't like the fact that Hamas is getting their ass kicked They don't like the fact that its uh, stranglehold in Gaza is gone. So, the second option of uh, to on the table, what tell Israel to stop the war against Hamas and thus hand a victory back to Hamas, right? And oh, by the way, that means Iran wins because that's really the proxy that's being fought here. What's our third option? 
do absolutely nothing and look completely feckless and weak. How about a fourth option? We just attack those proxies in Syria and Jordan and elsewhere and continue to blow the entire region into a further powder keg? Is that a real good option? Let me ask you how it works because we also have an economic problem in there and it has nothing to do with oil, by the way. It has to do with how we get our goods and services because with the Houthi rebels in Yemen, with the seemingly endless attacks on merchant ships and uh, Navy SEALs and da-da-da-da-da, ships are being diverted around the Cape Horn of Africa, which is a dangerous, deadly situation versus going up the Red Sea and being able to bypass all of that into the Mediterranean and, and all of that stuff, okay? Making the trip easier, better, faster, less expensive, less dangerous. But that's not what's going on right now, right? So, again, I ask, those are the four real options, right, on the table that we could do immediately. We could attack Iran directly, thus starting World War Three. We could tell Israel to stop defending itself against Hamas, which is absolutely antithetical to the Israeli goals, and thus kill a relationship with the only real ally in that region. We could do absolutely nothing and look like the feckless morons that we are. Or we could attack the proxies and continue to blow up the powder keg in the Middle East. So... It got me to thinking about it. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And I have kind of a novel concept. How about this? We get our troops the hell out. We get our CIA the hell out of that hellhole. We can continue to show support for Israel. Right now, I think we represent almost 7% of the spending on defense in the state of Israel. Do we need to do anything else? Can they defend themselves? Absolutely, they can. We can support their demolition of Hamas from afar. 
and we bring our troops home to defend our homeland first. You know, the northern and southern border invasions that are going on. We can bring them home and say, nah, you guys handle it. You do you, boo. Now, the reality is that Iran will try to do whatever it can to to go after us some more. Absolutely it can. And I understand the strategic importance that the Red Sea holds, that the oil in the Middle East holds, and the money, and yada, yada, yada. I get all of that. But let me ask a further question. Has our CIA attempted to be kingmaker in the Middle East time and again? Absolutely. Quite literally in some cases. We're picking and choosing our favorites, just as the Brits picked and choose their favorites in the late 1800s to the 1900s as the Ottoman Empire breaks up, right? Iraq, Jordan, Syria, all of these types of places are literally arbitrarily designated lines, in some cases literally the sand, that have never really existed prior to Western empirization and colonization. So, I understand the value that exists economically in that region. I really do. But let me ask you this. Are they still going to sell us their oil? Probably. Why? Because they still need the money, right? Okay. Um, Can we find ways to increase our own oil production? Absolutely we can. Can we find and continue to innovate as we saw the issues with the electric grid and um, charging stations when it's bitterly cold here in the upper Midwest this past, uh, like two weeks ago or even a week ago at this point? But how about we stop playing kingmaker? How about we stop caring necessarily about the inner fightings of this group versus that group in the Middle East? How about we do that? How about, hey, you you want to continue to live in a hellhole? Go for it, man. You want to continue to butcher each other? Well, we're not going to be in the middle of that. We're not going to condone it. We're not going to do anything that direction. No. But we're also not going to provide bases here, bases there, bases everywhere in the Middle East. Nah. Nah. We're good. I don't understand our foreign policy right now. I don't. Especially when it comes to the Middle East. You have yet to convince me, by the way, that our 40-plus years of activity over there has produced fruitful results. We haven't watched democracy, for whatever that is, take any sort of 
root there because it's antithetical to literally centuries upon centuries of how those individuals have lived. It's also antithetical to most of how their religion sees the world over there. Now, does that mean we sit by and watch ethnic cleansing happen? happen? Not necessarily, no. But we have got to stop being the world's police. Morally, physically, whatever have you. Because here's a rough truth. There are evil people doing evil things, spirit of the age, all over the place. Can you make claims to stop that? Can you pay attention to it? Absolutely, you can. Absolutely, we should. But what victory is afoot here? Short of total war and total annihilation of not just the physical capabilities to make war of Iran, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, who's one of the biggest sponsors of terrorism in the Middle East these days, short of literally turning the entire Middle East into a parking lot. Short of that, what are you going to do to change anything over there? We've attempted to, quote-unquote, westernize that society for my entire life and likely your entire life. And nothing has changed. Our blood, our toil, our sweat, our men and women dying has given us what? So, if there are no good answers, what are we doing being involved on this intimate of a level? I say we watch from afar for a while. Get our troops the hell out of there. And let them be them. I, I don't understand this need for everybody to westernize or everybody to have some sort of Judeo-Christian view. They don't hold it. They never will hold it. Unless you are talking about crusades, which, um, that's an interesting point of view. But I, I, I don't understand it. I really don't. So, again, get our troops the hell out of that hellhole. Continue to show your support to Israel, right, in their fight against Hamas, because that is in everybody's strategic interest. And because the ethnic cleansing and genocide of Jews is wrong, and unless you are willing to declare crusade and Judeo-Christian war on in a religious war, unless that's where we're going, 
I don't understand any of this. And I don't think we're going religious war. So our foreign policies put us in a really bad situation. And it's been that way for 40, 50 years, by the way. This basically mutually assured destruction between Iran and us over there. It's not a good thing. One false step by one side in nuclear wars on the off. Because they're that crazy. Because they literally believe in a death cult. They want it. If you know anything about their theological views, again, they're not Arab. They're Persian. They believe in the 12th Imam and all this other crazy stuff and a crazy, crazy radicalized version of Islamic belief. They're crazy. They're crazy within the beliefs of Islam, let alone how we view the world from a Western Judeo-Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. Unless you're willing to have that type of a fight in which we are literally crusading to, to evangelize, to literally change all of them into Christians from Muslims, if we are willing to do to them what they've done to Christian parts of the world, like in Nigeria, like in North Africa, all that sort of stuff that's been going on for centuries at this point, unless we're willing to actually admit that that's what we want and state that as our goal, unless we're willing to do that, nothing is going to change over there, period, point blank. All right, back home. Back home again in India. No, I'm, I'm not doing that. Um, however, that 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 will be coming up in a few months, and I love the Indy 500, but I digress. Um, we have another truth or fiction, and this one comes from me. And this is truth or fiction. The GOP won't win in 2024 because it's falling for the race trap again. And I'm not talking about playing the race card. I'm not talking about racism. I'm talking about math. 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 I saw this in uh, an article here in the Chicago Tribune. I've seen this on Fox News articles. I've seen it in other conservative rags out there where the black vote, the inner city vote, the the ability to to flip that vote and, and turn it on its head. That's what's going to win. For Donald Trump here this time around in 2024, it's, it's hot. This is absolute fact, by the way, that the GOP will not win because it's going to fall for this trap again. The GOP has got to win more of the black vote to win in 2024, and we've got to play the racial politics game to win. I'm a data guy. Show me the data that suggests that. First and foremost, the black vote represents about 17%, okay, of the total electorate in this country, somewhere in the region of 14 to 17%. Depending on, you know, how many people are voting of 
every particular race. There are 16 states in which the population of African Americans or the, the black population is greater than the average of 13%, which is America's black population percentage. Okay. Well, there's 17 total areas, 16 states. 15 of those 16 states that are over-representative are already red states. Let me ask you a very, very simple question for you. What states do Donald Trump need to win? Does Donald Trump need to win? Wisconsin. Michigan, let's say, Arizona, Pennsylvania. Question for you. Are there enough black people in any of those states to matter in winning? No. The reality is you must do better. I'm not suggesting you have to win and win bigly. That's not what I'm totally suggesting. But the reality of the disparate nature of urban versus suburban versus exurban versus rural voting is what you need to understand. And the GOP doesn't get it. Donald Trump doesn't get it. His toxicity in the 2020 election within that suburban population showed up in multiple ways. It showed up in whom voted, how they voted, and where Everything kind of lined itself up. And the math, math, math doesn't math. If you were to go from, let's say, 10% to 30% support in the black community, let's say that that is your goal. And you listen to the Chicago Tribune, which says, well, given the migrant situation, excuse me, the illegal asylum-seeking situation and the sheltering um, that's literally happening on the south side, right in the face of some of the poorest communities within the city of Chicago who get literally free meals, free lodging, free this, free that, while everybody else struggles, right? The black population right here in our own city, struggle, struggle, struggle in these really poor areas. But we can, we, we're going to find ways for these illegal asylum seekers to make sure that they've got the shelter. They, our government's going to pay for all of that, but we, we can't do that. We can't house these people. We, we shouldn't do that for the population currently here. That's what they see, and they see the Democratic Party advocating for that, and they're telling the, the reporters as they go out into these communities that they're done, quote-unquote, with the Democratic Party, except for they said that this last time, and they they this was beginning in 2023. And what happened in 2023? Oh, we voted Brandon Johnson in a big way on the South Side. When you had an opportunity to vote for somebody like Paul Vallis, who represented more of the quote-unquote conservative values that you are quote-unquote wanting and telling the the public that you want vis-a-vis interviews, right? you're done with the Democratic Party, but you voted for the machine again, 
the last time when you had an opportunity to say, nah, we're okay. Now, Paul Vallis might be a Democrat. Paul Vallis might be a squish GOPer at a at the very worst from a leftist perspective. But he represented a shift away from democratic policy, a shift away from the things that are going on right now. All I am saying in this situation is you've got to pay attention. Even if you were to take 30% instead of 10%, do you think for one second that that makes a difference in how the election would play out here in the state of Illinois? Nah. Let alone actual swing states like Wisconsin, for example. And I have long talked about how this takes place. And I'm about to show you how this takes place. So what we want to do is compare 2016 to 2020. These are Donald Trump versus the left elections. Okay. And I have long said there's a mathematical equation. You must know what the vote, not totality of the vote, but the percentage of the vote is in Milwaukee County. Then you must take a look at how you get to a similar percentage or around that within the suburban counties of Waukesha and Ozaki County. You also throw in Brown County, which is where Green Bay is for those who are unfamiliar with that state. And then you have your understanding of how you can, for the GOP, win an election. Now, mind you, in this last election, I believe the total vote was something like 20 or 30,000 difference between. And I'm going to show you the math. So, in Milwaukee County, in 2016, if you are not watching, I highly encourage you to do so on X at the Coppin Show or on Rumble, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. In 2016, Hillary Clinton won 66% of Milwaukee County's vote, 29% to Donald Trump. Okay? That was 2016. In 2020, Donald Trump won more of a percentage at 29.4%, but Joe Biden won 69.4% of the vote, representing a roughly 30,000 vote increase. Now, you might find that funny, considering I just told you it was about a 20 to 30,000 total vote difference in the state of Wisconsin, right? Whether you believe that to be legitimate voting, whether you believe that to be, as I do, um, shenanigans in the state, the reality is that there was about a 30,000 vote difference. Almost, well, let me think about this. So that's 20. Yeah, it's about, it's about 30,000 votes, okay, difference in Milwaukee County. Donald Trump got better of a percentage this time around in 2020 than he did last time. But Joe Biden increased his percentage over what Hillary Clinton was able to do in 2016. Now, I told you that Waukesha County matters, right? Because whatever is going on in Milwaukee County, you have got to be at or very near that same percentage. And it kind of plays itself out. 
In Waukesha County in 2016, Donald Trump got 61.6% with Hillary Clinton representing 33.5%. Okay, 61%. Again, in Milwaukee, Clinton got 66 in 2016. Trump gets 61. So about a 5% difference, but you're within a margin that when you take the rural areas and how you can win, that's within that margin. Anything within 4 to 5% is a win. In 2020, in Waukesha County, Donald Trump went from 61.6 to 59.7. He went from 145,000 to 159,000 votes. He went up in his voting. From Hillary Clinton to Joe Biden, though, was 79,000 to 103,000. Again, almost a 30,000 vote difference. An increase of 5% while Donald Trump didn't really lose much in Waukesha County, but enough. Again, Waukesha County was at 59 to 69 from 5 to a 10-point margin of difference. Again, a 10-point from 5 to 10. His margin of difference grew 2x. Was that because of the lack of black voter support in Milwaukee? No. It's because he failed to figure out how to win over suburban parents, moms especially, but the suburban vote forgot about it, wasn't speaking to it, couldn't win it. Let's take a look at Brown County, the secondary portion of this. Uh, by the way, it was Aki County, almost the exact same uh, scenario at play, and that's why I'm not really talking about it. But in 2016, in Brown County, Donald Trump won 52.7% of the vote with 67,000. Hillary Clinton, 41% of the vote. Donald Trump won 52.8% of the vote with 75,000, so he got raw votes way more in 2020. But Joe Biden bested Hillary Clinton by almost 5 percentage points. 41.9 to 45.6, representing an increase of 12,000 votes in Brown County. Folks, Brown County, while it has Green Bay, the rest of the county equals more of the population than Green Bay itself. There's about 103,000 in Green Bay. And in Brown County, the population is 269,000. So let's do that math, right? That means that there are 166,000 people that don't live in the city of Green Bay. They represent the larger portion of that county. If we take a look at the anatomy of how that loss took place, whether, again, you believe it to be by hook or by crook, the reality of the situation is the math 
as it stood, you didn't come close between 2016 and 2020 to doing what you needed to do in Waukesha County. You lost your percentage of the vote. You had to increase the percentage of that vote or stay the same and hope for an increase in Brown County, which you didn't get in your percentage, the margin of victory. It didn't happen in Ozaki County. And thus, no matter what took place in other counties, which by and large, if you look at the electoral map of Wisconsin, is very red. The math doesn't math. You cannot find enough, quote-unquote, black vote in Brown County, in Milwaukee County, in Waukesha County to make up the difference. There's not enough votes. You have to win in the suburban counties. You have to do that to win a place like Wisconsin. And by the way, this type of a, of a percentage game needs to be played in Virginia. It needs to be played in um, Michigan. It needs to be played in Arizona. That's the reality that is in front of Team GOP in 2024. It has nothing to do with winning hearts and minds or more of this constituency from a racial perspective over another one. Even if you were to win more of a percentage of quote-unquote Latino voters, which is what happened in Florida, right? The anatomy of that victory. But also the anatomy of that victory was winning more suburban voters and guess what in florida there's a lot of latino voters in the suburbs now that's different demographically in a state like wisconsin but if you were to concentrate on winning and messaging the hearts and minds of the suburban voter now here's the rub is the sub, are the suburbs getting more or less progressive? I would suggest by the math, they look more progressive. How do you win that then? You don't win by chasing a progressive message. You win by focusing on making sure that the people who do want to vote for you get the hell out. You do ballot harvest. You do do these things in the suburbs. Don't concentrate elsewhere. Win the suburbs, you win an election. So stop falling for the racial demographic booby trap, if you will. But that is part and parcel of Team GOP, who took less money in than it spent last year and the year before and the year before that. For what results? They're not delivering for you. They're not delivering for the suburbs. They're not delivering for anybody. But they're going to fall for the trap. And I fully expect an ass kicking come November. At least on the presidential level. While probably winning below that because those people on the state level understand how to win. And a great example of this is how Tim Michaels lost the governorship last time around 
by a greater margin than Donald Trump lost in the presidential side of that election, by the by. If you take a look at 2020 versus the 2022 um, gubernatorial election, while also Ron Johnson winning his Senate seat while Michaels loses. It's math, folks. And with that, I bid you adieu. I hope you have a really good rest of your Tuesday. Please be smart, be safe, be kind, to make sure you eat all of your meals. And as always, Matthew 547. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.